this morning and glad that you're here. It is a uh, wonderful, wonderful weekend, and uh, thank you, Pastor Scott, for giving me the opportunity to speak this morning. And uh, he's been speaking a couple of weeks on Made for Mondays, and I finally feel like I'm ready for this Monday. And uh, if every Monday could be like this Monday, I would be ready for Mondays. And uh, so whatever he's doing, thank you for, uh, for doing this for us. And uh, uh, sometimes I feel like I'm more made for Tuesdays, but I'm working on it, right? How many of you have been working on it since he began? You're working on trying to make your Mondays better. Yeah, you go in and you woo in your Mondays, and it's, uh, sometimes it's a little bit, uh, a little bit of work uh, to make Mondays better, but uh, we have appreciated uh, the message series, and it has been, it has been uh, great, and uh, I hope you all have a great weekend. And many people, uh, they don't know what Memorial Day is all about. Uh, Memorial Day did not begin as Memorial Day. Memorial, began, uh, Memorial Day began in 1866, uh, and it was called Decoration Day. And what they would do is after the Civil War, uh, they had all these mass graves as they would go out, and one little city started this. Uh, in New York, I believe, they started, they, they would go out to the cemeteries, and they would put flowers on all of the graves. And so it was Decoration Day, and they began to include more people, and eventually, in 1971, uh, Memorial Day became the official uh, celebration day and uh, the title for that day and now we still celebrate Memorial Day and uh, Memorial Day is a little uh, special to me um, both of my grandfathers served in the military uh, I think we've got some pictures of my grandfathers here the first one, uh, he was a captain of the motor pool, and he worked for Patton, uh, followed Patton, tried to keep up with Patton. If you're a, if you're a World War II buff, uh, Patton moved through Europe really fast, and my grandfather uh, was a captain of the motor pool, and he followed Patton through, uh, through Europe. And then my other grandfather was a uh, was in the Philippines, and uh, the stories that they would tell. And it was interesting because most men uh, at this time, world, uh, men and ladies from World War II, they wouldn't necessarily talk about uh, the, their time in the, in the military. But my grandfather, the first picture that you saw, my grandfather, uh, he lived to be 104. And, uh, and I, I realized that I don't want to live to be 104 because um, he... He would, every time we'd go and see him, he would say, I don't know why I'm still alive. And I'm like, well, Grandpa, you're alive because I want to hear more stories. And as he got older, he began to tell more stories and bring back more memories of the things that he had done. And, and I remember one time sitting, I was in my 30s, and I went and sat at his, literally, I would go in and I'd sit at his feet. He'd be in his rocking chair, and I'd sit down on the ground in front of him. I'm like, tell me, Grandpa. And uh, one time he pulled out this red, old red uh, photograph book. And it had pictures from his time in World War II in Europe. And he began to flip through the pages and, you know, they were, the paper had dried out on those pages, but the little uh, photographs were in there. And, and so got to tell stories about things he had done. And, and then he flipped to a page and there was him standing there with soldiers from a concentration camp and had pictures of them. And so it was just really interesting to hear the memories and the things that go on. And so just challenge you today. Uh, tomorrow, don't you know, enjoy your time as a family, but remember those who uh, allowed us the time to have this freedom. But we're talking about uh, Mondays, and if Monday is going to be successful, our memory has to be current. You know, because there are days that we look at and we're thinking, 
This is just a miserable day. If you, if you turn in your Bible to Psalm chapter 143, Psalm chapter 143, here we see a psalm that I oftentimes can identify with. Because in Psalm 143, starting in verse 3, it says, For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me and my heart within me is appalled. You ever feel like that? You ever, feel, you ever have those days, typically, before Pastor Scott started preaching on Mondays? It was Monday. That you'd, you'd wake up and you're like, oh, man, I just, I'm just not feeling it. And it could be life circumstances surrounding you that you're just, you just feel the weight. But notice what he says in, in verse number five. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the words of your hands, the work of your hands. He said, I have to force myself to go back and I have to remember all that God has done in my life in order for me to, to get myself out of this. So this morning I thought that uh, it's Memorial Day and uh, I, I brought a box of memories. And uh, you know, oftentimes we have, we have these memories in our life that uh, you, know, you, you get old and, and uh, some, some people they just have lots of stuff. And uh, for my kids' sake I've already started refining and I've whittled it down to a box. And uh, so they don't have to worry about that. I, you know, I, I love antiquing. Many of you, you love antiquing. Uh, I love to go to an antique mall. My wife will ask me, hey, what do you want to do today? And I'm like, I don't know. What do you want to do? I have to feel her out first. You know, what do you want to do? And she's like, I don't know. I'm like, hey, how about an antique mall? And she's like, I would rather have a pine cone to the eyeball than go with you to the antique mall. No, she doesn't say that. But, but many of you feel that, right? You would rather, you know, if somebody says, hey, let's go garage selling. You're like, could you hand me a pine cone, please? Why? I just want to jab it in my eye. It'd be much better than going garage sailing with you. But I love going antiquing. I love, I love the, uh, excuse me, uh, I love the, uh, the, the stuff. I love going through because it, well, it, it brings back the memories of the things that you wish you would have held on to as a kid. You're like, that's how much? I wish I had, I had like 12 of those. Uh, I threw them away because I didn't need them. But uh, my, my kids, when we would travel, uh, that's where this box came from. Uh, my son left me stickers, uh, again, more memories, from the uh, days when we would travel on vacation. And I, would, I finally had the idea. I'm like, whatever you can fit in this box for toys or books or whatever you want, if it fits in this box, you can take it. If it doesn't fit in the box, you can't take it. And uh, so they've grown out of that. And so I'm like, this is just going to be my memory box. And so I have, I have lots of memories in here. Uh, the first is my, my Donald Duck hat from when I was a kid. And uh, they don't make these anymore. You can still buy them on eBay and antique stores. But uh, they don't make these anymore. But this is the old Donald Duck hat that uh, compared to the pricing of today's are, are really cheap. Um, another memory that I have, this, I don't actually remember when I got this because I was a baby. This is my baby beans uh, from when I was a, a baby. And I have more hair than he does. So I've, I've successfully outlived my baby beans. And um, it had a hat. I don't know where the hat went. Um, I also have a, my Walkman from the 80s. And uh, I, I opened it up the other day, and I'm like, ooh, mixtape. I have no idea what's on it. 
and I didn't have any AA batteries to listen to it. So I'm like, I have no idea. But the other thing that, that I found next to my Walkman was my pencil. How many of you know what a Walkman and a pencil have to do with each other? How many of you have no idea what, why I'm holding a pencil and a Walkman? Anybody? Yeah. If you don't know why I have a pencil and a Walkman, ask somebody after the service. Why did he have a pencil and a Walkman? What does this have to do with each other? Because you remember you're listening to your Walkman all of a sudden it just like screeches to a halt and you pull the tape out and you're like, ooh, confetti. It's just ribbons and ribbons and ribbons and you're like, anybody have a pencil? Why? I just need to reel it back in. I have my headphones too, the original ones that came with it. I'm sure they're dry rotted, but uh, can't listen to it because I don't have AA batteries. I also have one of these. Anybody know what this is? It's not a pill bottle. You know, that's what you always used to put in here is pill bottles. It is a roll of film. I have no idea what, this, what is on this film or when it's from, but my kids are going to have fun developing it after I'm dead. And they will, they will enjoy seeing whatever, whatever fingers are in front of the, 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 you know, they're like, I just paid $30 to have pictures I can't even see developed? You know, that was the negative part about the film because you were like, oh, it's going to be awesome, and then none of them are in focus. I also found in here, and I, I didn't want to show them, but I, f I have lots of pictures of me and my wife together, and, uh, but I didn't get permission to show those, so I can't. But I found, I found my first passport, and I actually have a picture of my first passport on here for you to see. <laughs> this is 15-year-old Chris. It's not nice to laugh at people. We all have these pictures, right? We all have them. And uh, I, I have 15-year-old Chris, and I looked in here, and I have one stamp, one stamp in my passport, and it was to Togo, West Africa when I was 15. I got to go on a mission trip. It was my first mission trip. I was so excited, and uh, I, I got to see uh, a mission field. <clears throat> and then I also have a, another picture that you can see, and this is from when I was in the Philippines, and uh, got to go and, and uh, speak at a youth conference in the Philippines and somebody took this picture while I was talking to this young man sharing the gospel with him. It looks like I'm yelling at him, but I, I'm, I wasn't <laughs> yelling at him. It was just very loud in there and so I was trying to let him hear me. Um, but it, it, it was fun going back into, our, into, these, into these pictures because I found one, I don't know if I can find it. I didn't show the first group here, so you guys are lucky you came to this, this one. I'm not going to be able to find it. It was a, uh, it was, oh. This is my son's first artwork that I kept. So they didn't see that either. It's always good to come to the second service. <laughs> Things happen in this one that don't happen in the first one. Um. I can't find it. I wish I could because it was an ultrasound and uh, I still, I picked up the ultrasound. It was, it was in a magenta color and uh, it, on the side of it, it had a uh, um, hello there. It's like the, the person who did the ultrasound typed it in, you know, hello there. And it, supposedly it's my daughter's face. I still can't see it. It's been 25 years. Still can't find her face in there. Um, but, uh, but they say it, they say it is. Oh, here it is. I knew I had it in here. It's the ultrasound. And uh, I'm sure you ladies, you could see this and you'd be like, oh, she's so cute. 
men look at it and we're like, I have no idea what, is, what, is, what that even is. That uh, doesn't look like me. Uh, but there also, I have some other things in here. And if, if our Mondays, I said this, if Mondays are going to be successful, we have to remember on purpose. We have to remember, I have, a, I have a rock in here, and I intentionally picked up this rock and put it in my memory box. And this rock does not stand for anything. It wasn't from when we went on a trip. It wasn't from an event that we did. It was purely because we have to intentionally pick up rocks to remember the faithfulness of God. You know, there are times in life where things get so dark and so discouraging that we forget who God is. We forget that he's in control of everything. We forget that he's in charge. We forget that he is the one who has, has started things. He is in control of things. His hand is on everything. And he is what makes everything exist. In Joshua chapter number four, we see a story of God telling the children of Israel to intentionally pick up rocks for the purpose of remembering his goodness. And if you'll turn to Joshua chapter four with me, in verse number one, it says, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you to lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. So just to remind you of where we are in this story in Joshua, the children of Israel, they had gone through the Red Sea. They didn't have faith to go into the promised land, and so they wandered around the desert for 40 years. They're now standing at the precipice of the, of the Jordan River. And they say at this time the Jordan River was flooded and it could have been up to a mile wide. So this wasn't a little stream that they were crossing. This was a huge endeavor that they were looking at. There's no way we're going to get across this. And remember, this is a generation who did not cross the Red Sea. This is the generation that grew up in the wilderness. This is a generation that may not have heard the stories of crossing the Red Sea. This is a generation that followed the generation that forgot to follow God. And they're standing at the Jordan River. And unlike the Red Sea where they stood there and God parted it, God told the priest, he said, walk into it. And as you walk in, I will part it. And the priest walked into the Jordan River and they stood there and they watched the Jordan River part. And they walked across on dry ground. And God said to Joshua, Joshua, I want to set up a reminder for the people. And what you're going to do is take stones out of the river and I want you to build a monument to me on the other side of the river where you're going to lodge tonight because I have a purpose for those stones that you're going to gather. There's always a purpose for picking up the stones of the good things in your life. If you can go back and you can remember all that God has done for you, there are memories that are tied to these things. If you, were to, if you were to take me to your home, you may have things in your home that you say, oh, this is from this trip that we went on, and this is from our, from our, our wedding day, and this is from our, our first child, and this is from, and you go all through your house and you have all these stones that you have set up to on purpose remember what has happened in your life. But we need to do the same thing with the things that God does for us and remember all of the good things that God does in our lives. Paul Apple said, 
Establishing physical memorials to spiritual milestones reinforces the reality of God's power in our lives and enhances our worship. Having these physical things in our lives remind us to worship God. My, most of you know that my daughter is in Africa. And before she left for Africa, she said, Dad, she said, I made you a bracelet. And I want you to wear this every day that I'm gone because I want you to pray for me. So every day, every morning, I pull this bracelet out, I put it on, and throughout the day I find myself adjusting it, playing with it, sitting there with my hand on it, and every time I do, I remember to pray for my daughter. A physical reminder of the goodness of God. But what happened this week is when I went and I, I pulled out my passport, please don't show that picture again. I pulled out my passport, the only stamp that I have in this passport is from Africa. When I was 15 years of age, I started a missions endeavor in our family. And today my daughter is serving on the mission field, not because of me, not because of what I did, but I just thought, man, that's, God began working in my heart and now he's working in my daughter's heart and I see him working in our family and it reminds me every day that I have this, how good God is and how much I can trust him. We think it's difficult to trust God when our kids go to school, when our kids leave to go to college. It's really tough when you see your daughter, you drop her off at the airport and she's like, she, has, she is just so engaged in what she's doing. She is looking forward to leaving and going to Africa and her mother and I are like standing there trying to keep the tears back. We're sucking them into our eyeballs if that's even possible. We're like, um, and we're watching her and, and she's just talking to everybody she's, I mean she's in line she doesn't know these people she's just talking about her trip and how excited she is and we're watching her and I'm holding onto this bracelet going Lord please help her Lord please help her Lord please help her Lord please help her and every day I'm praying God just work in her life Lord use this to experience to grow her faith and every time we talk to her we, we are constantly hearing how God is working and what God's doing and how he's changing her and how she's impacting the people there and so it's just awesome to have a, a physical reminder but notice what's supposed to happen in Joshua chapter 4 verse 21 and he Joshua said to the people when your children ask their fathers in times to come what do these stones mean in the Greek it literally means what these stones to you? What are these stones to you? Dad, I see this pile of stones. What do they mean to you? And that father sits with his, with his child and he says, Son, you see there's 12 stones here. One for each of the tribes. And it wasn't too long ago that I remember that we were standing on the other side of this river. Way over there, Dad? I mean, you all have had kids, right? You've been around kids? And they ask questions. Like I think about this father that, that uh, he's like, you know what? We're going to take a trip today and we're going to go, I'm going to show you the 12 stones that, uh, that were at the edge of the Jordan. And he takes them out there, doesn't tell his son what they're going to do. And he says, son, let me tell you all about these stones. And I just think about that trip home. Hey, dad. Yes, son. What's that rock mean? Nothing, son. It's just a rock. Oh, hey, dad. Yes, son. What's that rock mean? Nothing, son. It's just a rock. Hey, Dad, it's a rock, son. <laughs> hey, Dad, it's just, son, just quit asking about rocks, okay? If it means anything, I will let you know. Quit asking. Hey, Dad, yes, son, what's that rock mean? 
I could just imagine that dad with that son going back home, but he sat down and he told his son, he said, son, let me tell you about these rocks because these rocks are important. They're not just rocks. These rocks represent something. And, and notice what he says in verse, uh, in verse number 23. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over. And notice the switch now. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. You see, those stones were not just stones to tell a story. Those stones were stones to tell that son, son, the God who brought us over is the same God who brought you over. The God who did the impossible then is the God who can do the impossible now. That problem or difficulty or thing that you're facing is not impossible to the God who can bring us across the Red Sea and the Jordan River. We've seen him work, son. Trust him. He can do it again. And in our lives, we need stones that we set up for our family and for our kids and for our grandchildren for them to see that God is a God who can work in your life and my life. The stories of our lives are marked with the rocks of God's goodness. The stories of our lives are marked with the rocks of God's goodness. You and I can sit and we can tell stories all day long about how good God is. And we can point to things that say, let me show you the goodness of God and let me tell you the goodness of God. And so I wanna challenge you this morning to intentionally pick up stones that are going to demonstrate to the world around us, to our families, the goodness of God. But not only do I have a stone in here, but I also have a rope. Handing out ropes make a difference in someone else's life. Handing out ropes makes a difference in someone else's life. This weekend, I got to do a wedding for a young couple, David and Olivia. And as I did that wedding and we went down for the rehearsal on Thursday and wedding on Friday and I sat there and I thought, when those two were young junior hires, I threw them a rope and I said, hey, let me, let me help you out. Let me show you the goodness of God. And I throw them a, threw them a rope and seven years later, I had to, the opportunity and the joy of performing their wedding ceremony. And I thought if I never would have thrown a rope, I never would have been connected to them. I never would have been able to lead them and show them how good God is but I did, and so I have an opportunity. And in our box of memories, if you stop and you think of all the memories that are in that box, it is always tied to a rope to somebody else. In Mark chapter two, we see the story of a group of friends who use a rope. Now, I don't know what this group of friends was. I don't know if it was four friends. I don't know if it was one friend that had three buddies. I don't know how it worked. But I can imagine that if it was one friend and he had three buddies saying, hey, what are you doing today? I don't know. I, I kind of picture it like if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I'm moving. Could you help me? What's the first question we ask? Do you have a piano? Right, because if they have a piano, I'm busy. 
If they don't have a pad, piano, I'm in. But if they have a piano, you're like, we're out. So I can imagine this one guy going, hey, I got to get my friend to Jesus. I can't carry him myself, but I got three buddies that can. Hey, guys, you want to help me? And they're like, do what? All I got to do is carry my buddy. He's, he's a paralytic. I, he can't walk. I, but, I, but I know that if I get him to Jesus, that Jesus can heal him. And they're like, I'm in. I mean, it's going to be fun, right? And so they pick up each one a corner of, of that paralytic's bed, and they walk to carry him to Jesus. But notice in Mark chapter number 2, in verse number 3. Well, let's, I'm going to read verse 2. And many were gathered together, so there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. So here's Jesus. He comes into this city. He's preaching. He's teaching to the people. And the people are, are, and they are smashed in there. I've been to, I've had the opportunity of going on mission trips to Asia, to Europe, to uh, Africa, to Australia. And I've been able to see people in different cultures than ours. In our culture, we have personal space. You have anybody, you ever had somebody that is a, a close talker? And you're like, and they just keep getting closer and you're like, hey, I'm, I've got, I got space. Do you see my bubble? Some people have bigger bubbles than others. That wasn't a fat joke. Some of us have bigger bubbles than others. But some of us, we do not like, like, stay out of my personal zone. Some of us, we don't mind. Like, we'd like to be close. In, in some cultures, they don't have the personal space. They just, they just smash in. In, in European countries and in Asian countries, you try to get on the subway, it's like going to New York. Like, just because it's full doesn't mean it's full. There are people behind you pushing you to get in, and they just keep shoving you in, and you're like, all right, there's no personal space here. Like, you're just face-to-face -face with somebody you don't even know, awkwardly staring at them. That's what the culture was. They just shoved in and they packed this place and these guys were trying to figure out how do we get our friend to Jesus and they couldn't figure it out. In verse number three, and they came bringing him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. These four guys... They so desired their friend to get to Jesus that they did not allow the problem of being able to get into close proximity to stop them. They said, we're going to use a rope. Dave, do you mind holding that end of the rope for me? They're going to use a rope and they're going to drop their friend who they are connected to. They're going to use the rope to get that friend to Jesus. They wanted their friend to be healed they wanted their friend not to receive what Jesus gave him. It wasn't that they were against it, but notice what Jesus did. In verse number five, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. I can imagine the, paralytic, the, the friends of the paralytic going, no, that's not why we brought him. We don't want him to get saved. We want him to be able to walk. Wait, we do want him to get saved, but we also want him to walk. So if you could do the walking thing on top of the saving thing, that would be fantastic. And they're sitting there going, wait, 
But what did Jesus do? Jesus said, I recognize your efforts of being connected, throwing a rope to somebody so that they could get to me. I recognize those efforts and I'm going to do what you didn't ask me to do and I'm going to save his soul. Your sins are forgiven. And the religious people in the room sat there going, wait a minute. Can he do that? And Jesus knew because in this day, if you go back to, the, to another story where the disciples were with Jesus and they said, the, the man was sick and they said, whose fault is it? Is it this man's or his parents? Because in this culture, they thought that sin resulted in being paralyzed, in being blind, in being maimed. It was sin. And so Jesus here, as he's doing something that they didn't ask him to do, he said, you are forgiven. The religious are going, hey, wait. And then Jesus goes, what's easier? To forgive sins or to heal a person? And the religious people are like, well, I, I don't know. He goes, watch this. Hey, get up and walk and take your bed and go home. And that guy stood up with faith, stood up, picked up his bed, carried it out. I don't know how he got out because there wasn't room to get in. But he got his bed out. He was rejoicing, celebrating, running and jumping and praising God for being healed, saved. But it was a result of somebody throwing a rope to somebody so that they could be healed. This morning I want to ask you, who are you throwing a rope to? Who in your life are you connected to that you are demonstrating to them and showing them love and care and, and helping them? If you aren't doing that, you know, th this morning as you came into this property, there were people that were throwing a rope to you. When you drove onto the property, there were people in the, in the parking lot. You may not have seen them throwing ropes at you, but they were throwing a rope at you when they were waving and welcoming you and showing you where to go and, and getting you in. There was a guy at the door who was trying to trip you with a rope, Dennis. <laughs> and we can't be like Dennis. Right? Praise the Lord. We can't be like Dennis. But Dennis, Dennis is throwing ropes to everybody as they come through the door. And you met people in the hallway and people at the cafe. And you met our auditorium host team. And you saw the worship team. And as the worship team was up here praising the Lord and leading us in worship, they were throwing you ropes saying, hey, let's worship together. This morning, who are you throwing a rope to? Or are you just coming in the doors and having people throw ropes at you? We ought to release the power of our story to let God use it for his purpose. You know, ropes are simply about us releasing the power of our story. When I came to the church, I soon heard about, uh, about Jenna. And I heard about her lung cancer that she had. That was just a rock. I heard about her stroke that she had, and that was, that was another rock. 
And Jenna doesn't take her rocks of that story of her life and hide them. She has those rocks sitting out and is glorifying God because of them. And she's throwing ropes to people. Ropes to people that are going through physical problems that she says, you know what? I've gone through a difficulty. Let me throw you a rope and show you how God led me through it. And let me be an encouragement. And she's throwing ropes and she's throwing ropes and she's throwing ropes. But t- today you may say, well, I don't, I don't have any stories like that. I don't have... I don't, I, don't, I don't have an illness that I can point to and say God's, God's given me a rock that I can lead through. We're talking about releasing the power of your story. There's a lady by the name of Patty Gasso. She's from the University of Oklahoma. She's a coach. She doesn't have a story of illness. She doesn't have a story of God saving her from <coughs> something spectacular. <coughs> but she is a believer in Christ. And when she started at the University of Oklahoma, she began to quietly share her faith and people came back at her and said, you can't do that. You're just trying to find out who's a Christian so you can promote them and support them and encourage them and give them the positions. And so she said in her testimony that I actually backed off and I actually almost left the University of Oklahoma because I didn't want the pressure. And she just said, she began to pray, God, will you send me one person that will walk alongside me as I share my faith? And a young lady came onto that team, came to the University of Oklahoma, became the chaplain of the, of the softball team, and she began to vocally share her faith, that young lady. And Patty began to get impressed by God that she was supposed to use her testimony. And so her, she, she said this. She said, God told me, you're not here to win games. You're here to open the door. Here to win souls. A coach. You see, this morning, you don't have to be a worship leader to throw a rope. But we need people who will be worship leaders. Maybe you don't want to be in front of people. You can stand out in the parking lot and throw ropes to people that come in. You can stand here and behind the cafe, the cafe and you can throw ropes to people. People like the cafe. They like catching those ropes. Maybe you like, maybe you like babies. Maybe you have a secret skill and you like to read stories to children and build rocks and show those children how good God is Throwing them ropes and throwing them ropes and throwing them ropes. We need people who are willing to throw ropes. Not just just show up on Sunday and say, "I, I did my thing, I came in and I sat down and I did it. We need people who will get in and serve with us and help in all sorts of areas. Vacation Bible School is coming up. There's all sorts of activities. If if you have a crazy idea of reaching people, we're in. We like crazy ideas of reaching people. Last service I said that and somebody came up to me and said, we gotta talk. I've got a crazy idea. I'm like, Pastor Scott will be in on Tuesday. <laughs> Go see him. He likes the crazy. We want to see people. You say, I don't know how to throw a rope. We'll teach you. All you have to do is care about people. 
and, and see how God has wired you and allow God to use that. You see, everybody needs somebody, but somebody needs you. Everybody needs somebody, but somebody needs you. How many times have we sat, as we read in Psalm 143, my soul is crushed, and I wish there was somebody that would come to me and encourage me and help me and support me, but how many times are there people that are sitting out there going, I just wish that, I could, that somebody would throw me a rope. I just wish that there was somebody who would encourage me, and God will use every one of you to be that person to throw a rope to somebody. Will the generations that follow know how God has worked in your life? You see, we're going to end up with a memory box. All of us. Our kids are going to go through our stuff. They're going to throw most of it away. But the things that they will hold on to are the things that have ropes tied to it, attached to it. Things that my kids aren't going to keep baby beans. But they will keep the things that are attached emotionally to the people that they love. This morning, do you need to intentionally pick up stones? Intentionally focus on what God is doing in your life. Intentionally Put stones in places where people ask questions and say, what does that mean? Man, I'm glad you asked. Because it is a story that I love to tell. Do you need to start throwing ropes to people? Not to trip them. To encourage them. Ropes to say, hey, I don't, I don't know who you are. This last week, I sent an email to somebody and I just said, hey, I'd love to get to know you. Can we go get lunch? And he responded, sure. I could sense the question mark in his email back. And his wife told me today, he's not here, he's working. His wife said, you know what? That means a lot to him. All we need is people that are interested in throwing ropes, throwing ropes, throwing ropes. This morning, is that you? Are you willing? Will the generation that comes after us, will they say, I know the stories of God's goodness in their life? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the word of God that speaks to us. The word of God that encourages us and strengthens us and helps us. It challenges us to live a life that glorifies you. It challenges us to do as only through your power we can do. Father, I pray that you will guide and direct our hearts and our actions. Lord, may we intentionally pick up stones that demonstrate and show your goodness to the generations that will come after us. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to throw ropes to the people around us that need you. And Lord, that there would be people who would throw a rope to us that we need in our lives. Father, I thank you for being the first one to throw a rope to us, the rope of salvation. Just as you did to that 
lame man who came to you for healing in his legs, Lord, you gave him that which he did not ask for, but which he needed the most, and that was salvation. So this morning, I pray, Lord, that if there is one here that is unsaved, that has not began a relationship with you, that they would receive that rope which you have thrown to them of eternal life. Lord, I pray that you will just use the truth of your word in our hearts and in our lives. We praise you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' precious name, amen.